still be emotionally immature, unaware, defensive, judgmental, touchy, needy, unable to handle stress and change. See, all of those behaviors are fruit. They're fruit out of, the, of how we were raised, the soil we were planted in, what we've experienced, the role models we've seen, and even all the activities and things that we have done since then. It all starts to contribute to the kind of fruit that's coming to us. And it's unfortunately not a given that when we come to Christ, even though we're a new creation, all of those, that fruit doesn't suddenly just change into great fruit. <laughs> Some of that still sticks around. Those influences of the soil is still there. Transformational change from the inside out, only what comes when God is allowed to get down beneath the surface. Our visual for this series is an iceberg, right? And the iceberg, you can only see just the very tip of it. But beneath the, beneath the surface is the depths of that iceberg. And you have depths in you as well. We have to invite the Holy Spirit to come below the surface and begin to work in the depths of our life if we want to become emotionally healthy. And if we're not emotionally healthy, it will, it will hold us back spiritually because it affects all our life. We're a whole person. We're not just a piece of people. We are emotions. We are mental. We are physical. We're spiritual. And so this is what the series is about. It's about based on the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. You can get a copy of it out in the lobby if you haven't already. I think it's a great book. But the title of today's message is Going Back in Order to Go Forward. Going Back in Order to Go Forward. See, beneath the surface, you and I all have a past, don't we? We have people. We have families. We have events. We have experiences and feelings that shaped us from the young age. This is the soil that we were planted in. And bringing healing to our soil is going to require us to go back, to look back, to face those things squarely as a believer with Jesus, to face those things squarely. Now, I know there's a few of you out here right now who are going, well, I do not want to do that. <laughs> I don't like doing that. I didn't like living through it then. I don't want to look back at it now. <laughs> Some of us feel like it's, it's really hard um, some, some of us may feel, what's the point? The past is the past. I'm in the present. What difference does it make? I'm just going to move on. But here's one of the truths of spirituality that I hope that by the end of the four weeks, at least, you will, you will understand and, and, and believe this truth that if we don't deal with our issues from the past, we're not going to be able to move forward spiritually. You can't just keep reading more Bible and, and going to more church services and think we're, we're solving all that stuff that's still sitting beneath the surface. This is why many of us can remain emotionally immature even though we've been a Christian a really long time. We simply can't deny the impact the past has had on our present and it's going to continue to have on your future unless we begin to look at it with Jesus. So we're going to see how that was true of people in the Bible and it's true of us. I love this quote from Pete Scazzaro in the, in the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He says this, Emotionally healthy spirituality is about reality. Not denial or illusion. It's about embracing God's choice to birth us into a particular family, in a particular place, at a particular moment in history. And this is interesting. That choice granted to us certain opportunities and gifts, didn't it? But it also handed us a certain amount of what I'll call emotional baggage in our journey through life. For some of us, this load was minimal. And for others, it turned out to be a heavy load to carry. True spirituality frees us to live joyfully in the presence. In the present. It requires, however, going back in order to go forward. This takes us to the very heart of spirituality and discipleship in the family of God, breaking free from the destructive, sinful patterns of our past to live the life that God of love that God intends. 
we have to go back to go forward. Your mystery box has already been open. The fruit's already out. For better, for worse, um, what kind of fruit are you bearing? What's the fruit look like? And how did the seed and the soil and the water and the light impact you to create this kind of fruit in your life? Now, last week, I put up a list that was a rough list, right? Anybody remember the, the, the list from last week of emotionally unhealthy symptoms uh, in our lives? And I asked you to say, where do you see yourself in this? This was, this was also the topic of discussion at our Thursday night session. We all kind of shared some of the things that we felt uh, spoke to us. What was really interesting is that some of us said, I've got all of them. <laughs> um, and that's like, okay, it's fine. You know, God is working with all of us. We're all struggling. We all have some baggage from the past. We all have some unhealthiness in us, and it's very, very normal. Um, these, I'm not going to explain them all right now. I did last week. You can listen to that message, or it's also uh, in the book. But these are the symptoms of unhealthy spirituality that sometimes, as Christians, we show, even though we've been a Christian a long time, using God to run from God, or ignoring anger, sadness, and fear, dying to the wrong things, denying the impact of the past on the present, which is kind of what we're talking about today, Dividing life into the secular and the sacred. Doing for God instead of being with God. Spiritualizing away conflict. Covering over brokenness, weakness, and failure. Living without limits and judging other people's spirituality. Now, I asked you to look at the list and say, where do you see yourself in here? But now I'm going to ask you to look at it and say, now, do you remember growing up in your family? Do you see, did you see or experience this in your family growing up? And most of us will say, oh, yeah. And often a light bulb goes off because we say, oh, yeah, the same things that they did, I still do. <laughs> my, my mom wouldn't show any weakness, and so I don't show any weakness. Or my dad would never cry in front of anyone, so I never cry. We repress our emotions. Often we receive these from our families of origin. And sadly, even though we may be born again into a new life with Christ, um, those things don't just go away. In fact, we, we unconsciously continue to do all this stuff that we have always done, that we learned in our family growing up. Does anybody resonate with that? Is, that, is, there, is there an amen to that? Why is this true? Why is it true that we could be a new creation in Christ and yet still struggle, live in these unhealthy ways? Well, there's one way to explain it is through a spiritual concept, and it is that the sins of the fathers are visited on the sons. If you look at a scripture from Exodus 34, 7, it says this very thing. It's God speaking to Moses as he was passing him by. He was seeing God's presence. And God said to him this, The Lord is keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now, let me be really clear about this. What this does not mean is that you are somehow responsible for the sins of your fathers and your grandfathers and your aunts and your uncles. You're not responsible for those sins. The scripture says it in other places that each, each man is responsible and each woman is responsible for their own sin. So it's not that we take on the guilt of our fathers and our grandfathers, but what it means is those sins will visit you. I love that word. They're going to visit you. They're like in the soil in which you were grown. So they're going to come, they're going to be part of what seems even normal to you. They're going to be your default, maybe, where your tendency, when you're under stress, when you're under troubled times, you're going to default back to those sins that were taught to you, that were modeled to you throughout your whole life. And if we're not careful and intentional, we're just going to fall right back into them. But we can be set free. What did we just talk about this morning? What did we just sing about? We're free indeed. God brings freedom. 
but I love how Pete Scazzaro puts in the book. He says, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa is in your bones. <laughs> and oh, is that true? Is that true? Grandpa is in your bones. Um, it's interesting that the scripture talks about it to the third and fourth generation, is what the, what the passage says, to the third and fourth generation. Um, so that's good. It's not an exact thing, but it doesn't mean that you have to go back, you know, to your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather in 1692 and figure out what he was doing. You know, that's not, it's too removed, right? It's not going to impact you. But those recent generations do impact you. They are still kind of present in the soil of your life. The traumas, the dysfunctions of those last several generations before you will have some effect on you. Not always, but they will have some effect on you. Your ancestors matter. We know this to be true because we see it if we think about our own families. Maybe your great-grandfather was an alcoholic, and then so was grandma an alcoholic. And now it turns out that your mom and your sister and your brother are alcoholics, and maybe you struggle with that. You can see how the sins are just visited along the family. Maybe there's a pattern of abandonment. Great-grandma, great-grandpa abandoned great-grandma, and she had a bunch of little kids, and it was and she was destitute. So she was, you know, in panic about ever being abandoned, and so she raised her kids, but, but her daughter, your grandma, ended up marrying somebody very much like her dad, and so she was also abandoned, and he left her, and so now she is growing up and raising her kids with this fear of abandonment, and now you have been raised under that, and you realize, uh, I'm actually afraid of being abandoned too. And I have a hard time making a relationship with somebody and keeping it. See, it's all the sins of the fathers just getting visited on the son. It's just kind of from the, the, the wounds and the, the traumas being repeated from generation to generation. Now, I've taught on this topic many times. Um, something new occurred to me as I was thinking about this this time. And this was actually kind of a revelation to me this time. So it's a little bit of a, a, a side note, but can you indulge me for a minute? When I got thinking about this, I started to think, that this in part explains why the trauma of slavery still feels so raw to our black brothers and sisters. See, as a white person, I'm inclined to say, I know slavery was terrible, but that was a long time ago, right? It's done. Like, we're not doing that anymore. Why can't we just get over it? But if you think about it, it has only been five or six generations of free black people born in our country. Only five or six generations. And if you go back to Jim Crow laws, it's only been two to three generations since those laws were abolished in the 50s. So that was not many generations ago. It was kind of striking to me. Um, in fact, I even found this man online. I've got the picture of him up here. His name is Daniel Smith. This is him in 2021. He was 88 years old. He was believed to be the last surviving child of an enslaved person in the U.S. So his father, Abram Smith, was actually born into slavery in 1863, only two years later, um, slaves were all freed, but he still worked as a child laborer for a few years after that, and then moved north, had a bunch of kids, had some kids late in life, so he was in his 70s when Daniel was born in 1932. So this man was one generation away from slavery and only died last year. So I just found that incredible, and it just hit me like a revelation <laughs> that this was not that long ago. This was not that long ago and that the injustice and the horror of slavery for a black person is not easily put in the past. It might be different if it was 20 generations ago, and it'll start to fade, but it is only a few generations past. It's part of your history. It's, part, it's in the soil that you were, you were grown in. So I just say that because it was, it was a bit of a revelation to me to say I need to have compassion and understanding of why this is 
such a hard thing, such a raw thing. And I want to also say that there's healing. There's healing for this trauma too, that we can be set free indeed from all kinds of trauma and healing, but that we need to be sensitive to listening and to recognize the trauma that that, that brings. So I just wanted to say that um, to you today about the thank you. Um, it was just a revelation to me, and I just thought it might be helpful for us to be in that conversation. Let's look at the scriptures. Let's look at the scriptures on this issue of family history and family sins being brought down. It's kind of an interesting story if you look at this family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is so much lying in this family. <laughs> So lying is the sin that got passed down, okay? Uh, deception. Let's just look at the first one. Abraham first married Sarah, and he lied about her. If you go to Genesis 12, and I'm just going to kind of read these quickly. They're just great stories in the Old Testament, but they kind of tell you, give you a sense for what this family was like. Genesis 12, 10, verse 10 says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and then they will kill me, but let you live. So say you're my sister. So I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Nice. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. I just want you to realize what it means when he's, she's taken into his palace. <laughs> she's made one of his wives or concubines. She is... Uh, having to bed the king. So we go on. Uh, he treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. And so Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. Classy move on Abram's part, right? Save his own skin. Let his wife just go sleep with the king so that he can get out of it. Now, listen, you'd think he'd learn his lesson. Guess what? He does it again. This guy doesn't learn. Genesis 20. Sin patterns are, do not die hard, uh, or they do die hard, actually. Now, Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while, he stayed in Gerar, and there Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. Put the lie out there again. And then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night, said to him, You are as good as dead because the woman you have taken, she's a married woman. And then Abimelech called Abraham and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should never be done. Again, lying twice to save his skin, putting his wife in a terrible, terrible situation. So let's move down a generation from Abraham and Sarah. We're going to move down to their son, Isaac, and he married Rebekah. Guess what? Isaac did the same thing to Rebecca that Abraham did to Sarah. I wonder where he got that idea from. Genesis 26. Uh, now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine in Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. It's not the same Abimelech. Uh, it's just That's a title, not a name. And when the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, she's my sister, because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca because she is beautiful. Then Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the men might well have slept with your wife, uh, and you would have brought guilt on all of us. So there we go. Sin doesn't fall far from the tree, right? Just did exactly what daddy did. Now, let's go down another generation. We'll go down to the son 
of uh, Rebekah and Isaac. Actually, they had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn, meant to have the blessing of his father. But instead, Rebekah, the, the mother, and Jacob teamed up to trick their father. Uh, he was blind. He couldn't really see so well. So she cooked up some food and gave it to Jacob and said, go into your father. He covered himself with skin so that he'd be hairy like his brother. And let's pretend you're Esau so you get your dad's blessing. So they deceived him, set up this whole big ruse. Um, and for sure, uh, in Genesis 27, it says, Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. He asked, are you really my son Esau? I am, he replied. So Jacob straight up lied. Um, Isaac says later, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. The sins of the fathers visited on the sons. We see how it continued. Jacob continued his lying and deceiving ways. He deceived his uncle. The story goes on. One more generation down to Joseph and his brothers, sons of Jacob and his wives. Um, if we know the story of Jacob, Joseph, we know that his brothers sold him into slavery, um, faked his death to his dad, had a fake funeral, and kept that family secret for years until they got desperate and went to Egypt and got some food from Joseph. Again, uh, lies, 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 lies in this family and deceit. Um, favoritism also run in, runs in this family. Uh, we have that Isaac favored Esau, Rebekah favored Jacob. Jacob showed favoritism between his wives. He favored Rachel over Leah because she was more beautiful. Um, Jacob favored his son Joseph, and that was one of the reasons why his brothers hated him so much and created all that problem. So favoritism runs through the family. There's also this idea of estrangement between brothers in this family. Ishmael and Isaac were estranged. Esau and Jacob estranged. Joseph and his brothers estranged. So you can see how a family pattern of lying, deception, estrangement, favoritism ran through these biblical families. And here's the thing. These guys are the patriarchs of our faith. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I feel great about that. It tells me one amazing thing, which is that God can use every one of us, even if we're in the midst of dysfunctional families. <laughs> Isn't that a blessing? Anybody know about that, being in a dysfunctional family? Thank you, Lord, that you can use us to do good, even in these families that are not, not all right. But what pain and suffering comes through all of this dysfunction, all of this? This is what we're talking about here today. Um, one of the ways that we can uncover these sin patterns in our own lives is to do a family genogram. Now, this is something I actually spoke on last year for a little bit, so I'm, but I, I just felt it was important enough, and it's part of this message, part of this kind of part of the series, to talk about it again. Because if you haven't done one, it's so insightful. Um, this is a way to see the family patterns in your own family. All right? I adapted this one I used from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, by, but there's many other versions of it. And they basically, basically what you do is you have this little family tree, and there are uh, actually blanks of this out in the back, so you can grab one on your way out if you'd like. You basically make this family tree where you start to fill in um, parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. So if you go to the next one, you see just the families, the names filled in. So you fill in the names. And then what you do is you start to pray through what were some of the um, sins, weaknesses, or dysfunctions that is, you experience in this family. And you start to put them next to the people's names. So in this one, this is just a sample, you know, nobody specific is here. Um, alcohol abuse, depression, anger, it could be... Uh, anxiety, it could be greed and, you know, 
wanting to make money. It could be um, having a hot temper. It could be sexual issues. It could be fears, perfectionism, high control. You know, all kinds of things uh, are dysfunctional in our families, right? All kinds of weaknesses or sins that we might find. And so we put them kind of next to the people that, uh, they, that exhibited that in your family. And then I, this is what I added to it. I also like you to do the virtues. And I put the virtues in a different color because not only do sins get carried down, but virtues get carried down as well. Faith runs in families, giving, self-serving. Um, and so you could, I put them in a different color so you can see faith, faith, mercy, mercy coming down through this. We also want to mark on this any major wounds or traumas. And so it could be that uh, you put a big W next to maybe the divorce in the middle. That, that, that might have been a very traumatic event for that family, right? So you put some W's next to the wounds. Now what, you, what happens when you do this is you start to see patterns. You may have kind of known that there were some issues in your family, but you start to see the pattern. Wow, all the women have the same issue. All the men have the same issue. Or all the side of the family has the same issue. And you start to realize that, that your problems are not so unusual. <laughs> in the family, that you understand yourself a little better. You can see that anxiety is all over the map. Wow, my, even my great-grandmother had anxiety. Um, even, and, and sometimes we see things like greed or pride uh, are through the map. We see that virtues also come through, wisdom, faith, service, and giving. I think what happens when we do this kind of analysis is, first of all, we understand ourselves better. Part of this whole process of emotionally healthy spirituality is to grow in self-awareness, to say, who am I, and what, where did I come from, and what am I, why do I react the way I do in life? And so this is a great way to understand yourself better, to see, uh, you can see right on the paper, you know, where some of these weaknesses and struggles came from. And sometimes this knowledge is freeing. Sometimes what you'll find is that you do the exact opposite of the person right before you. <laughs> so we sometimes go the opposite direction from our parents, um, and you may be able to see that as well on the map. The other thing doing this does for us is it helps us to have compassion on our family members. Because what we forget when we're angry at our moms and our dads and aunts and uncles who did all the terrible things that they did to us growing up, um, we forget that they're also caught up in the family current. <laughs> they probably had no idea what was coming to them from the great-grandmothers and the great-grandfathers. Um, so it can help us to have some compassion and move towards some healing. I had a friend who's, who's, um, who whose mom was always very much giving in to her dad, just very, um, you know, uh, kind of like almost like a doormat, right? And she just hated that about her. And then she found out later in her life that she was actually allowing her, her husband and her relationship had the same characteristic. And she didn't notice until she did the map that actually it was carried through many, many of the relationships in the, in the, in the family. So you, you just begin to have a, an understanding of, okay, this is how she was because she had this as a, her, role, her role model with her parents. The third thing, which is the most important thing, I think, about doing this, is it brings Jesus' light into our families and into our own lives. It brings his light into it. Um, I do know that sometimes people think, I don't want to fill one of these out because um, it's going to be disrespectful or dishonoring to my family. I don't want to air my dirty laundry, right? The family's dirty laundry. These are the family secrets. I'm not going to talk about them. Well, first of all, I'm not asking you to you know, post them on, on Facebook, right? This is for your own work to do, maybe with a friend or a counselor uh, or pastor if you, if you like. But um, we somehow think that by revealing or writing down the family secrets that it's dishonoring the family. And let me just say something really clear and strong to you this morning, that it does no honor to your family to keep repeating the sins of the family. It does no honor to the family to keep repeating the sins of the family. How much more honoring it would it be to say, I love my family and I love our family name and I want to see it come under the lordship and light of Jesus. 
want to see healing. I want the dysfunction to stop here. I want to see freedom here. I want to see the rest of the family take on all the virtues but not carry through all these abuses and sins and problems. Amen? Amen. I want to help my family become a place of healing, health, and love. Things are healed in the light. John, 1 John 1 says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he in the light, we have the fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The only other thing I'll say about filling out one of these things is to remind us that we all have broken families. Um, there's a tendency when people fill this out, and I've done this with many people, um, and they, they, they want to show it to me, right? So they show it to me, but they're like embarrassed. They're like, this is the worst one you've ever seen, isn't it? I mean, this is terrible. Like, look at all this. And I want to say to them, trust me, it's not. <laughs> um, everyone has brokenness in their family. I don't care how healthy your family is. There's still brokenness. There's still sins. There's still dysfunctions. There's still all of these things. Um, and I just want to promise you that yours is not the worst, okay? Um, everyone has these issues in our family, and it is just so enlightening to discover what they are and to begin to say, Lord, would you come in and do a healing work? Would you transform? Would you come under the surface of this thing and begin to do a new work? Um, and some sins of the family are more obvious, and some are much more hidden. So um, we don't know until we get into it. So this is actually what we're going to do on Thursday. I told you last week <coughs> that for these four weeks of this series, we're going to meet on Thursdays here in the church. And anybody that wants to come can come. And we're going to talk more about the sermon and do some things together. And so I'm going to invite you to fill out your family genogram. If you want to come on Thursday, this is completely optional. Um, but grab one of those sheets and start filling it out this week. It's easier if you've gotten some work done on a, ahead of time um, because it's a lot to fill out. Um, but start to fill it out. I'm not going to require you to share it with anybody in the group, but we're going to talk, <coughs> talk about what we're learning about ourselves from doing the genogram. And I can also answer questions about your genogram. I'm happy to look at it if it helps you. Sometimes it is helpful to have another person look at it because they see patterns you don't necessarily see because you're kind of in it. So it's helpful. Um, but that's what we're going to do on Thursday. So I encourage you to grab a sheet. Even if you're not going to be on Thursday, you're welcome to take a sheet with you. We have to go look back in order to go forward. So we've looked back, we see the sin patterns, we see the fruit from the mystery seed box. How do we move forward and find freedom? How do we get released from these patterns? And sometimes just the process of doing what we're doing, talking about it, bringing it out in the light, will begin healing. That just, it, it happens. Um, but I encourage us with a few other ideas to start to love and learn Jesus' way. We learned a way in our family. Some of it might have been good. Some of it might not have been good. Let's learn Jesus' way. We're disciples of Jesus. And so um, what comes naturally to us in the way we interact with people and in our family may not be Jesus' way. Let's look at Jesus' way. Let's read things like 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Um, it's not easily angered. Countless scriptures that we could start to learn and begin to say, this is how I want to live. Lord, show me when I'm not living this way. Show me when I'm dropping into my old patterns that I did when I was a kid living at home. Help me, show me, Lord. Let's learn to love Jesus' way. And, and, see, and when we see it, to encourage it in our other members of the family. The second is to get some help. Sometimes for some of us um, doing this process, we realize I've got a lot of stuff here that I don't know how to handle myself. Um, it's still intensely painful this many years later even to talk about this. If that's the case, then you probably need to, to see a professional counselor and let them walk through you, through this with you. 
Um, there's no shame in that. If, you, if your lungs were bad, if your heart was bad, you would go in a second to the doctor and get it fixed, right? Um, so this is just, if there's some things that are just hard to deal with that aren't, you're just not able to get past, this is what we have um, professionals for. Um, I really encourage you in that, and if you need a reference, we can give you references of people that could help you walk through this. The last thing I want to say about this is let the Spirit set you free. Let the Spirit set you free. Don't think that just because I found all this pattern of sin and junk in my family that now I'm destined to just do it. I'm under a curse. You know, that's it. The curse has been broken, people. You've been set free. You've been set free. It can stop here. It can stop right here. I might have shared this the last time I talked about this, but, you know, we noticed when Paul and I got married that there was a lot of divorce in our family, my, my side of the family, all, all kinds of divorce and, and single moms and all this kind of stuff. And we were just like, it stops here. It stops here, Lord. We're just going to pray into that. And we prayed into that. We asked the Lord to break that. That's what we, we just celebrated our 37th wedding anniversary. So God can break through these chains, but we need to know that we're, we're set free in Christ. Um, we're not under a curse. We can't do this alone. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit and in relationship with God as we let him come below the surface with us. It's not going to work if you um, try to do it alone, I don't think. Uh, you're going to need the Holy Spirit to come with you. And I want to quote something that I meant to quote last week from Dave Tackle's sermon two weeks ago, but it just is so right on with what he was talking about, the fact that we're new creations in Christ. And this is what our own David Tackle said. The work of the Spirit is putting to death the deeds of the flesh, stronghold by stronghold by stronghold. This is what we're doing. We're allowing the Spirit to come in. And I could change that to say sin pattern by sin pattern by sin pattern. He wants to put to death these works of the enemy in our lives, and the new self is in the process of taking back what the enemy stole. Oh, Lord. The enemy might have done a number on your family and on your past, but you are free indeed. You are free in Christ. He's doing a new thing in you. So let him do it. Let's invite him in. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, let's just, let's just pray for a moment. As the band comes back up, Lord, I just... I thank you that we get to be reparented by you, Lord. That um, whatever might have been lacking in our parenting and our, our upbringing, uh, you're, you're going to supply. Lord, and, and we want to acknowledge the good things that we grew up with and the good things in our families, Lord. We are blessed by that. May we reproduce the virtues that are, handed in our are, are present in our families. But Lord, we right now ask you to replant us in some fresh soil to bring some healing so that we could be free indeed. I may have stirred up some stuff today. Maybe some families here that I've stirred up some stuff in. Let's let Jesus into it. Don't even have to solve it all today. Just begin to invite Jesus to come in to those stirred up place and maybe some anxieties or some fears about what you're uncovering in your own life. Holy Spirit, just come. Set us free, Lord.
teams come up. Um, we're going to start to have one prayer team here and one prayer team in the back. So that if you don't want to come up front, you can go to the back. We have some prayer teams ready to pray with you right now. We're going to sing just a little bit. Um, but I just encourage you to take this moment. This is a response moment. It's a ministry time for God to minister to your heart right now. Whatever this has stirred up in you, would you bring it to Jesus? 